event is over. Tonight, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in Christ tonight. And in the Annunciation, this is this this moment when God sends the angel Gabriel to tell Mary that she will be the mother to the Messiah, to Emmanuel, we have this incredible picture of, of the meaning that humanity is gifted with on Christmas. Let me read Luke chapter 1. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? It's a very good question. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now what's incredible is we don't, we don't know much about Mary. We know almost nothing about her from before this moment. But we can assume quite a bit about her based on her being an Israelite, living in this time and place in Israel and in, in Canaan. In many ways, she personifies Israel, who at this time was saturated in the fear and uncertainty of being God's people and being loved of God and yet experiencing a very different life than one of God's love and defined by that, but living under instead the tyranny of the Roman Empire. So you can imagine the kind of existential crisis that she must be experiencing when it says in verse 29 that she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. In the English, this is a, an extreme understatement. When it says that she was greatly troubled, that's a way of saying she was in extreme distress. She was panicking. You might say she was freaking out. When it says that she was tried to discern what this meant, this doesn't mean that she sat in a wingback chair with a cocktail and was pondering the meaning of life. It meant she was furiously and urgently trying to analyze and understand what is the meaning of this. And if even that doesn't convince you, the fact that the angel had to say, don't be afraid tells us something about how the angel thought she was doing at the time, right? Now, I, like any good pastor, loves to beat up on the Pharisees in the gospel, right? The legalistic uh, religious rulers of the, in the establishment who were putting this heavy yoke on, on God's people by telling them that they had to be so perfectly moral and good to earn God's love in a sense. But they were legalistic, 
because they were living in Roman oppression, and they had come to believe wrongly that the promised Messiah would come if they could just be holy enough, if they could just be righteous enough, if they could just be worthy enough of God's love, then maybe His chosen one would come and rescue them. In other words, legalism is actually a way that we try to make meaning out of fear and uncertainty, but it always, it always ends tragically and amplifies our fear and uncertainty. For over two decades, a woman and writer by the name of Ayan Hirsi Ali found a similar refuge in atheism. As a Somali-born teen and a Muslim, uh, gr growing up Muslim, she was living in Nairobi, Kenya as a, as a teen when the Muslim Brotherhood took over and took control of her community. And the way she tells it, it sounds like it became and gave her an appreciation for how much that was a source of meaning for her because she says, as she describes it, that this moment transformed passive believers to activists almost overnight. But it too was temporary and only accelerated the fear and uncertainty. Yet, she became an atheist after 9-11 because, as she puts it, the, of the, the offer of zero-cost escape from unbearable life of self-denial and fear. But this new atheism, this, and I say the word new atheism very intentionally because she is listed and mentioned among the names like Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens. She is an intellectual, a public intellectual of that caliber and often speaking at the same conferences. In that new atheism, she discovered that she was actually participating in a new and different legalism. The legalism that says that the problem for humanity is that we're religious, and if we would just reject God, then we would then enter an age of reason and intelligent benevolence. In other words, and a messianic age without a Messiah. It's the same hope and the same legalism that dashes it across the rocks. Because over two decades of preaching against belief, she increasingly, she writes about this, she increasingly became unsettled by the fruit of her ministry. Because as a society becomes less religious, we don't become more charitable, we become less charitable. When we can believe anything and we make our own meaning, then life does not become more meaningful. It becomes meaningless. As she writes about this, this realization became the beginning of a very, quote, a very personal crisis of fear, anxiety, and depression. She says, I went to the best therapist money can buy, but continue to have this big spiritual hole and need. She said that she tried to self-medicate, to sedate herself. <clears throat> I love this part. She says, I drank myself, I sorry, I drank enough alcohol to sterilize a hospital, but nothing helped. Nothing helped until one therapist that she talked to said, Ali, I think your problem is that you're spiritually bankrupt. You're spiritually bankrupt. She then explained to this therapist that the God she grew up with was, quote, a horror show who created you to punish you and to frighten you. And as a woman, I was just a piece of trash. Part of her story 
is experiencing as a fundamentalist Muslim family, as a young girl, genital mutilation. She says, it's not that I don't believe in God, it's that I hate him. So this therapist, she says, responded and said, okay, well, what if you had the power to design or make your own God, what would you do then? I think this is a fascinating question, right? Because religion, if you, if you boil it all down, religion in general is a way of trying to make sense of the world that we live in, including the good parts and the bad parts and the ugly parts. And countless other religions, both old and new, both tra- passed down by tradition and invented by individuals on the spot, all have theories about creation, about worshiping divine person or persons, about believing in a spiritual world and even an afterlife, most of them. The problem, though, with designing your own God is that nobody has actually been able to top the story that Christianity offers, the story of Christmas, that the Creator became created, that the divine became human, that spirit became flesh. This has been referred to, like we call this the incarnation, the, the, the indwelling of God into the body. And, and as Jesus, the incarnation is the scandal of particularity. It means it is a scandalous, it's the scandal of the Holy One becoming, being born in a stable. The scandal of the omnipresent God of the universe being constrained and constraining himself into a single zygote. It's the scandal of the infinitely powerful becoming infinitely vulnerable, the unfathomable becoming huggable. But it is this very particularity of the incarnation. It is the scandalous aspect of how could God become man that makes the Christmas story so universally meaningful. It says to those who feel lost and struggle to know which end is up most days or every day, God says, not only do I hear you, I am with you. That my name is Emmanuel. It's not just a label. It's who I am. Who I am is with you. To those who are angry at God for allowing horror shows like the one that Ali grew up with, God says, I know it is hard. I know that it hurts. But to show you that I am far from indifferent or ignoring you or passive I will not spare myself from any horror, including death by crucifixion. You see, God knows what it's like to be born into disgrace, to be homeless, hungry, helpless, frustrated, tempted in every way, mistreated, whipped, speared, and unjustly killed for things, for crimes he didn't commit. And so to those who fear to take an honest inventory of the darkness whether that darkness be the darkness we encounter in the world that we see in our hearts or all of the above, God says, let me show you my heart. Let me show you that I am slow to anger and steadfast in love and mercy, that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To those who are burnt out and disenchanted because you can't make our own meaning, God says, that void you're trying to fill, it's cross-shaped. That meaning that you are searching for and desperately trying to find, Merry Christmas.
Ayan Hersi Ali said to said about her, her journey and, and thinking about and trying to imagine her own God, that she soon, quote, realized that, she, that I didn't need to invent yet another God because all of my descriptions applied to Jesus Christ and Christianity at its best. We actually can't imagine something more beautiful or more good than Jesus. And when you are at that point, you may as well just say Christ is Lord because they may mean the same thing. And that is the meaning of Christmas. Ali articulated the difference that this meaning made in her life. She says, I started diving into that story then, Christianity. And the more I look at it, I don't want to say I'm fulfilled, but I feel I no longer have this need, this void. I have to say that I'm going somewhere. The meaning of Christmas, friends, it is not escape. It is not escape from brokenness and sin and death. There is no getting out of this life alive. The meaning of Christmas is a life of meaning that transcends all of that because God has descended into all of this. That God has not spared himself even from death itself. And because of that, we know that we cannot help but be brought into new life because of what Christ himself has done. Because God became man, no man ever need live with the void that Ali described. Because God descended into the mud of our heart and the muck of our heartache, we can know that we're never just spinning our wheels. We are going somewhere. Now, the article that I am drawing all of this stuff about this Ayan Hirsi Ali's story was very recent. It was written in just November 11th of this year, and it was titled, Why I Am Now a Christian. It is a beautiful article, and her follow-up interviews and writings have been even more beautiful. And in it, it ends with her describing how the end of her search for meaning marked the beginning of a different kind of journey, the journey of faith. She says this, Fortunately, there is no need to look for some new age concoction of medication and mindfulness. Christianity has it all. That is why I no longer consider myself a Muslim apostate, but a lapsed atheist. Of course, I still have a great deal to learn about Christianity. I discover a little more at church each Sunday, but I have recognized in my own long journey through a wilderness of fear and self-doubt that there is a better way to manage the challenges of existence than either Islam or unbelief had to offer. I share her story with you because we are all merry. And like Ayan Hirsi Ali, we all similarly need meaning that is not of our own making, but instead comes from outside of ourselves because we do not have an imagination that can match God's creativity. We will never come up with a better story than the one that God has authored and is authoring even now. And to receive that meaning, then, we need to be told and then retold the scandalous story of particularity and incarnation as part of and within a community that is shaped by it because it was birthed by that narrative, by the narrative that we are reading lessons and singing carols about this Christmas Eve. We need to be re-enchanted, as Ali says, a little more at church each Sunday because Monday through Saturday, 
We live in a world that insists no enchantment can be found apart from meaning that we make of it. So what is the meaning of Christmas? The meaning of Christmas is nothing less than meaning itself. In celebration of encountering that meaning, if we read a little further, we would read about how Mary sings what's called the Magnificat, where she says, my soul magnifies the Lord because he has magnified me. But we sing of the same gift of meaning every Christmas when we sing, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That is the meaning of Christmas. It's the only meaning that could possibly fill the void of that which we were never meant to live without, the advent of Emmanuel, of God with us. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Jesus, we live in this world that seems hell-bent, <laughs> hell-bent on destroying the meaning, the significance, the worth, the dignity that we are made and created to have from the very beginning of, our, of life itself. And yet, Lord, you do not abandon us to our own devices. You do not leave this up to our imagination, but you do more than anything our imagination could come up with you enter into the world we have made a mess of to become in the mess yourself and to bring us out of it. And Lord, that, that story begins on Christmas and we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We pray all this in your holy and precious name. Amen.